0: This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling.
1: Shake them ropes, 285. I'm Jeff Hawkins. Hi, how are you? Going to do our Hell in the Cell preview this week, kind of go around the bases on WWE. I don't have an opening really, so I'm just going to say, Hi, Chris Novembrino. You're back for another week still. I don't understand why you keep coming back, but you're here. Hi.
0: Hi, Jeff Hawkins. I'm pleased to be back with you. I am not always pleased to be watching everything we have to review. (laughs) So I, I saw a poll earlier this week on Twitter that was trying to put this year in WWE weekly television into context of all-time badness, where would you put this? I don't think this is like the worst year ever in terms of WWE weekly television, but this is a pretty rough bit of sledding here.
1: I don't think it's bad. I just think it's inconsequential. And that's my problem, is that, is that we go from pay-per-view to pay-per-view with no real heat. No real, you know, I mean, these feuds feel contrived in many ways. I mean, the wrestling itself, the product, the wrestling isn't bad. It's just, you know, you'll you'll get, I think I heard it best today, it's like you get a two-star match on television, but it never breaks that ceiling, except for the rare, like, KO versus um, Seth Rollins match like we got a couple weeks ago. You'll occasionally get that. But it really, I mean, it, it doesn't, draw me because i think stories i i think i still think the bad part is you're trying to create narratives and stories when you should be trying to create better characters that are more interesting and more interesting people rather than more interesting situations
0: yeah that's definitely a big issue because a lot of these characters especially on the main roster are just simply not interesting people just to pull someone off of the card here for monday chad gable what is Chad Gable doing? The situation we talked about last week is mildly intriguing, but Chad Gable as a character right now is not intriguing in the slightest, nor is Bobby Rude. He's
1: a goof. He's there for a punchline.
0: Right, right. Who is? Rude or Gable? Oh. At this point, I feel like Rude's. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Rude's ultimately the butt of Gable's joke.
1: So before we get into our preview, uh, give some uh, give some love to our sponsor this week. Simply contacts. Hey guys, it's football season, it's bola season, it's hell in the cell season. There are a million things demanding your time, and if you wear contacts, reordering should not be one of those things. Simple contacts lets you renew your prescription from anywhere, be it your couch, your job, sitting in a theater watching grown sweaty men pretend to grapple each other. The doctor's office is wherever you are. Doctors and licensed ophthalmologists review every test to make sure your eyes are healthy and your vision hasn't changed. And for 20 bucks, you can get your vision tested, and standard shipping on your orders is free. You go to simplecontacts.com STR, enter code STR, get 20 bucks off your first order. Now remember, this isn't a replacement for your per- periodic full eye exam. This is for testing your current prescription and renewing that. Sim- Simplecontacts has all the brands and types you're familiar with, you're not getting these off-market brands and the website is simple and easy to use. And you get all your contacts delivered to you instead of having to go out. Again, that's simplecontacts.com slash STR. Enter the promo code STR at checkout. That way they know we sent you and we appreciate them sponsoring the show this week. Now, Chris, here is my hot, hot, boiling hot take that's four days old from Monday. Because the WWE announced that Our girl, Renee Young, is now a permanent full-time fixture on the play-by-play team on Raw. And I've seen nobody mention this at all. But this is a... To me, when I heard it, it was... Well, let me ask you first. What did did you think when you first heard that she'd be the full-time replacement and Jonathan Coachman would be getting put on the uh, pregame show, so to
0: speak? If Jonathan Coachman and Booker T are going to be the caliber of performance they're willing to accept out of that third chair. I have absolutely no problem with Renee Young playing through her mistakes because I think Renee Young has a much higher ceiling and much greater potential than either Booker and Coachman at this point. You're getting what you're getting out of those two guys, and they aren't going to improve. Renee, I think she can improve. If She wasn't great the first time they tried to put her on commentary several years ago, I think on NXT, but... I'm hopeful that this time she will get her sea legs and it appears that Graves is committed to making sure that she gets comfortable in the position.
1: I am I am a little suspect about the timing of the announcement. And here's why. Um I I do not think that she is necessarily permanently on this team. I think there might be a hook there in a couple weeks because that's just what they do she is full-time for now so to speak but if you remember monday night there was a double header of monday night football over on espn and the play-by-play person for the early game was beth moans of espn and i think this was a cynical attempt to top espn saying hey look we have a woman doing play-by-play for monday night football i don't think it was the first time i think she did with rex ryan or the previous year. But I think it was to try and take away some of that steam from ESPN. I think ESPN has a couple of really good female play-by-play people across the board. I think Pam Ward's great on college football. I really liked when her and Chris Spielman were together. I know that he's since gone on to do the pros now, but I, I tend to think it was trying to, that was kind of their cynical attempt to take on Monday night football in their own little way there. Um, I look I, I think she's the definition of someone who's gonna cheer from the press box, so to speak, and they kind of caught her on that, which they shouldn't have done on air. Um I, I just don't think this is the right role for her. I think she's more of a kind of a conversational morning show slash talk show type person. I think the the, the pre show panels are perfect for her and her style. I just I'm I I can see them starting to feed her talking points and The jovial Renee that we all know and love, she'll be, you know, giving the marketing points, you know, just like any other play by play coordinator in no time.
0: No, I like talking smack Renee Mm -hmm. the most, but we're not going to get talking smack Renee to sort of play the bull to your bear on her performance. I think that her engraves have the chance to. To establish a repartee, and Graves seems to be mindful about how he interacts with his foils. So he has a way of engaging with Byron, and I think he'll find a way to engage with Renee. So you're not going to get talking smack Renee, but I think there's a decent chance that we avoid the swamp that is talking points. And graves and young find something natural
1: you know what i'm thinking right now and and maybe i'm i'm totally off off base on this i think renee if if graves can figure out a way and this isn't in his character per se when he talks on raw a lot because he usually has had to kind of be more or less neutral so he could shift from heel to face depending on whether or not cole or coachman or booker t or whoever makes a point that's just off the board so to speak i think he needs to find a way to needle renee because i think renee on the defensive even though you can't see her you could always she's always she was on talking smack she was always more endearing when heels were needling her a bit and she could kind of try and make a comeback or she was trying to get the show back on track i really think it may help graves too and may help him Get his heelish side back on the Raw commentary team.
0: Yes. Or they could go the other way, and they could have Renee constantly getting the better of Graves, and Graves is the one who shows ass, which is another Mm. way of him being a heel.
1: Uh, Going back to our previous point when we were talking about it being a low year, I watched these go-home shows this week, and you just realize that the most anticipated thing about WWE right now is this Australian super show. Yeah, all the participants took back seats to the Triple H Undertaker match. It's like it, it, it. The, even the top, the, the top hell in the cell matches, just they don't feel like they're going to resolve anything. They just feel like their matches set up for the next week, and then we'll just get back to the feud when we come back to Raw and SmackDown. I, I was really underwhelmed by both shows now Smackdown I think did a better job of you know with some creativity like the the Joe story time thing I thought was creative even if it was wasn't my cup of tea per se
0: oh wait you're not into the AJ Styles gets cucked angle
1: <laughs> oh, God. oh you think do you think they're gonna go all the way with that
0: No, but that storybook certainly did.
1: (laughs) The end of that storybook, that that last page, is the creepiest thing since Katie Vick, I think, possibly. (laughs) I just, I could not believe that they drew, they they sat down and drew caricatures of all three of them together.
0: Not that I heard, uh, but I was also kind of watching while I was cooking at the same time.
1: Okay, well, I will let you, uh, if you have the card in front of you. Go match by match, and we'll talk about these builds and uh, what we think is going to happen here.
0: All right. Your current Hell in a Cell match card begins with Jeff Hardy versus Randy Orton, Hell in a Cell.
1: I think after that, uh, (laughs) Jeff Hardy may die. This may be the last time we ever see Jeff Hardy because he wants to do something big and memorable. I, I think they'll probably have a crash pad wherever it is but it's gonna be one of those types of things where he does a swanton off the top of a cage uh but I think Randy orton eventually gets the win here um i am i i am not impressed at all with jeff Hardy doing these weird rambling promos where he, and then at the end he's like cheering and it's just this, look, he he's he's weird, I get that, but... Uh,
0: this is just weird. It's not like it's weird, weird kind out there sake. like Nakamura. Like, Nakamura's kind of weird but still cool, whereas what Jeff Hardy's doing, yes, it's almost uh, vainglorious sort of weird.
1: Yeah, and Randy hasn't really done anything in this feud other than stick his finger in in Jeff's ears and try and wipe off paint. It's, it's, a, it's a feud about hating a guy's gimmick for the most part, um, but I still think Randy Orton probably wins this one.
0: Yeah, that's my inclination as well. We also, of course, had the go-home beatdown where Jeff Hardy got the better of Randy by a lot, and it was a very long post-match beat down in the go home section so yeah i think randy somehow squeaked out the win jeff hardy does a big spot we're in agreement here mm-hmm. we have dolph ziggler and drew mcintyre the current champions versus seth rollins and dean ambrose for the raw tag team championships
1: again this is kind of, i mean this this could be if if they give these guys time this could be the match of the show this one um I'm kind of excited for this. I don't think they're going to switch the belts off immediately unless they somehow brought the revival back into this story, which I don't think they're going to do. I think they're really trying to make a play here that these two three-man teams are the top echelon of the company right now.
0: The Hounds of Justice and the Dogs of War. That's where we're going with this.
1: I I like the name Dogs of War, Cry Havoc. I like that. And you know, very Shakespearean reference. Also also a pretty darn good movie if you like Christopher Walken and Tom Berenger. Um But I, I think uh I think s I think Dolph and Drew basically um I, I think basically they, they uh they get their asses handed to them and then they cheat to uh either get DQ'd or they walk out or win somehow i I, they retain but they but there's no uh,
0: stipulation so that's sort of the hint here that the heels are going to hang on to their belts yeah next we have daniel bryan and brie bella versus the miz and (laughs) maurice long pause
1: well the return of one of the best themes in wwe history this week maurice's pourquoi which i absolutely love i love that song because it fits her character so well. Um, yeah, I everything here with Daniel Bryan and Brie getting the upper hand on the build. Screams that the Miz and Marie somehow win this, in my opinion. Uh, I think Brie has to turn heel to go with Nikki eventually. So I think they get rid of the good feelings here. And then move on to whatever they're going to do with Ronda and the Bellas uh, later. I don't think she turns heel within the match. But, God, for for the amount of excitement we had about Daniel Bryan coming back, they've, they've certainly found a way to just make him a, a day-to-day cog in the machine here.
0: Absolutely. I actually am going to go the other way and say that Daniel Bryan and Brie Bella win because of the same reasons that you're saying, that Brie Bella is ultimately going to go heel here. I think that Daniel Bryan and Brie Bella will wrap up their angle and that will allow Brie to go off and do her thing. Cool. Next, we have The New Day, your champions, versus Rusev Day. Rusev and Aiden English once again this week on SmackDown. We had... A further advancement of Aiden English, the clutch guy who is not fully appreciated by Rusev.
1: Oh, but I thought they kind of—they kind of gave a nice little red herring there, though, because when he took the uh, brogue kick and came stumbling back in the ring, he got a very quick hug from Rusev about that before the arms were raised. I, I think we—I na- think we got the gist of this last week, where I think Aiden English at his moment of triumph eventually blows it here i think the new day definitely retain i could see the bar getting involved in this somehow too because i think that this is basically kind of a one-off type feud until they go back to new day versus the bar yes Um,
0: yes i don't think rusev and aiden english get the belts and then that leads to a split angle but
1: i also but i also don't think they're involved in the tag team title title picture after this i think this is it
0: Yeah, yeah, I think this is the end of the road. I think that the whole thing of them being never hotter and how they had went through these rocky patches, but they have now completely smoothed things over and they're white hot, that's going to be the angle here, that it's going to fall apart because they just couldn't keep it together.
1: And I think Rusev's the one that turns heel because I know it screams... I know it's not logical, but remember, Vince McMahon views niceness and friendship and things like that as weaknesses in his baby faces he likes the uh he doesn't like groveling he likes the alpha male characters who take charge and get things done so i think rusev is the one that turns heel here which i think is a bit ridiculous but i think that's the way they go with it
0: yeah i think you're right i think you're right Uh, even though aiden is so clearly the obvious heel of these two um, next we have Charlotte versus Becky Lynch. Where do you see this going? And
1: they doubled down on Becky being a heel this week.
0: They definitely doubled down on Becky being a heel this week. And after SmackDown, I had questions about maybe Becky is going to make a faction with Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose.
1: I don't know if she's going to be a faction type, but I, I wouldn't mind seeing that. I, I, let me just say this out of the way, Becky in the glasses and the dark wig. I cast her as the Baroness in a GI Joe movie tomorrow. That uh, she is she. That's a good look for her. I liked it. Um, I boy, do I think I think Becky. jeez. Oh, I don't think she gets the belt here. I don't think they're that ballsy, but they might because I still like Rob McCarron's theory of trying to get Charlotte up to her dad's number of title reigns. So I could see them. Once with this renewed kind of angry Becky, that being the thing that gets her over the top to getting another title shot, another title reign here, I do think she ends up hurting her in this match, either before or after, and that eventually leads to a title reign. But I don't know if they pull the trigger here or not. But I'm gonna go. I'm going to say Charlotte keeps the belt, but she ends up with almost a broken arm, and Becky pushes for a rematch as soon as possible.
0: I'm going to say Becky wins the title, but yeah, I was very surprised that WWE just went all in on, no, Becky's definitely the heel here, because you watch that match between Charlotte and Sonya, and the crowd is just not into Charlotte. Charlotte has her small contingent of fans, but it's just simply not connecting with the entire house anymore. People
1: want to woo. That's all they want to do with her character. They, they, they're they into the woo, and and they're into the, the homages to Ric Flair, and that's why she has any babyface standing within this crowd because, yeah, I mean, it, it's funny because they had to put over real hard on Sonya that she's one of the few superstars who can physically hang with Charlotte and you're just like yes that's why she needs to be a heel here but um I, I don't mind becky getting a short short stint or even a long stint with this title to uh establish her as a credible heel um still at this point that's the way they went thought they should have called an audible a bit because i think uh i think for business purposes a much hotter baby face would be more in their interest because they don't build those well see Asuka this this past week. Oh, boy. Um, But, yeah, we'll see.
0: So then we have Ronda Rousey versus Alexa Bliss. Thoughts on that? (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's tough. I normally would have some sort of setup, but the first match was such a weird non-entity. Is this more competitive? And if so, how?
1: I think they're going to try and tell an underdog story with Ronda here with the With the injury that happened on Monday, I think oh, they're gonna
0: say I see Alexa's going to work the ribs, and it's going to be tough, but Rhonda's somehow going to find a way to overcome the odds of her ribs,
1: yeah, and I think somehow maybe even Nia Jax gets involved and hurts her ribs some more, but she eventually overcomes. Alexa to win
0: this is the problem with Ronda as champion though she's too powerful really do yeah exactly you have to do a lot of things to try to get her on an even playing field with most of the roster
1: yeah and that that match I that match Monday that she had wasn't uh wasn't a barn burner but I think I think you know what I think they're practicing down at the PC this week so hopefully this one will be a little bit better in my opinion
0: AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe The builds to this has crossed the line for me three or four times between clever and stupid. I'm not even sure which side of the line I'm on anymore.
1: I will say for as tacky as the Joe segment was, I liked the AJ Styles promo. I liked the the, the empty arena. I liked him looking in the camera, even though they kept on, you know, kind of zooming in and out a little bit here and there. But I liked... I like that AJ's kind of giving real emotion to what is obviously not a very real storyline, because um, you know he and Joe have known each other for decades. Um, right. But I, right. But I like I, I like AJ. St- I mean, this is the first time AJ Styles to me has felt invested in a title program, almost since getting the title because the Shinsuke feud was so poorly executed. Um, on so many levels, I, I think he's really kind of tried to sink his teeth into this one. I'm going with Joe winning the title here.
0: I'm going with Joe winning the title here as well because I think AJ Styles has forgotten about the championship and has made this personal, and that is what Joe is going to take advantage of ultimately.
1: Do you think there, I mean, uh, do you think it's a straight match where eventually just his anger gets the better of him, or is Joe going to like bring the wife and kid to ringside and do something to that respect to kind of get A.J.
0: Yeah, Joe's going to have some sort of stunt. He's going to have some sort of stunt. That's going to be the thing that finally sets off A.J., and that leads to A.J. making a mistake and getting caught in the coquina clutch.
1: Yeah, I, I, I would go that way.
0: And then what will probably be our main event... Roman Reigns versus Braun Strowman, hell in a cell with Mick Foley as your guest referee. What would you think about the Mick Foley return promo here for Monday night, Jeff?
1: You know, I thought it was wasted in a segment with Elias. And I yep. don't, I mean, it's, 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 you want me to care about Mick Foley. I want Mick Foley to stare in the camera. I mean, because they've done this kind of thing when he came back and talked to Edge about Hell in the Cell, I think it was, and how it takes part of your career away and all these other things. I, I, you know, it, it hit on something. Mick Foley is one of those guys where if you give a, just stick a camera, let him look into it, let him talk to us. I mean, watch his ECW promo circa 94 and 95. The guy connects like almost no other performer on the roster. That's why he got such a big pop when he won the title. Um, I, I liked the promo. I think Foley's there and Foley actually was moving around quite well. I thought better than I'd seen him in a long time. Uh, so here's, here's what's vexing me a bit because he's had all these surgeries. Are they going to have Braun do something physical with him to get Braun more heel heat? Because Braun doesn't get a lot of heel heat be honest he still gets the cheers and they get these hands types of of things because people have been conditioned to you know kind of play along with the act but d-
0: because does- vince likes alpha males and braun Strowman is a giant alpha male alpha male does mick Foley take a bump i think that's w- what you need to do to get braun robustly booed i question the wisdom of that
1: um, as for the match, lots of Superman punches, lots of drive-bys. I think Braun smashes Roman for a good portion of this match. And I think somehow they, they finagle it so that's not really as cash in in the end. I think Braun loses, but in the end he gets the briefcase back from, uh, from, uh, uh, Constable I,
0: I, I, Corbin or from- Commissioner Corbin. Yeah, from Baron Corbin. I I think uh, he has a different surname title now. He, Baron was a ranking. He's now okay. a commissioner. It wasn't a first name. It was a ranking.
1: Well, it has, it has, is he officially commissioner Corbin, or is he still a constable? Because I'm getting my law enforcement uh, titles mixed up here.
0: Law enforcement in the world of WWE is a very complicated thing, Jeff, and I, I didn't study it in college. Look,
1: there are two separate parts of the judicial system. One in the courts and the police who—that's <laughs> God—they love Law and Order, WWE,
0: ding ding, okay, with that sound effect, um,
1: <laughs> the whole thing with the uh, with with uh, uh, Ambrose's relative being being the cop, and they they love police procedurals in the vein of Office Politics. And uh, yeah, yeah, But uh, overall for the match, that that's my takeaway. I think Braun loses, but he gets a do-over and eventually cashes in and takes the title.
0: Yeah, I don't think Braun wins here. Although, you could also see this getting transformed into more or less a six-man schmoz yes. thing. Where the Dogs of War and the Hounds of Justice end up beating the shit out of each other. And that's how Braun ends up winning the belt.
1: Well, that's well, that's the whole point. I think is, is it becomes a six-man cluster, and the whole story is Braun saying you won't f- fight me, or I'm going to fight you man to man. And it turns out
0: he's not going to fight him man to man. He's
1: not going to fight him man to man. I I could see them actually doing a thing where
0: the dogs of war are hiding underneath the ring and they come out of the ring once the match begins and the cell is locked and it's 3 ooh. on 1 and then the shield has to break into the cell to try to save Roman.
1: Yeah, I got I got that. I think that I think that's a good call there and I also think there's something possibly after the match where the dogs of war get a hold of Roman and they just destroy him and then Corbin says, "Oh, I didn't file the paperwork on this being the actual cash in. You still get the briefcase, and then maybe, maybe even this this tile reign only lasts a month. Strowman cashes in one, two, three, and Roman has to chase again, and then you get all three of the top belts on your on main the Dogs heels. of War. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. I say there's a seventy percent chance that Braun Strowman leaves Hell in a Cell with the belt.
1: Okay. That's high. I, I wouldn't go that far, but I, I, think, it's, uh, I think it's at least 50 70% leaves 30% 50.
0: that he might not leave at the belt.
1: I, I understand the math,
0: Chris. Well, <laughs> no, but a lot of times people say they understand 70-30, but don't really appreciate that 30% is still fairly high likelihood you don't win.
1: Okay. I, I was going to go 50-50 just to quash my belts, but, but I'll go 70-30 with you. I'll, 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 I'll go all in on that.
0: Live on the edge, Hawkins.
1: Oh, let's go over some just random things that we would noticed from these shows. Uh, so, Leo Rush and Bobby Lashley.
0: The whole point to me of the Leo Rush character is that he is supposed to have accomplished nothing. And so if you make him the manager of anybody... It gives him some modest amount of accolades. So why?
1: That said, if they did turn Bobby Lashley heel,
0: oh, I, would want, I, would really want him,
1: I would want him in a stable with Leo Rush because his TNA run with Kenny King and MVP.
0: Oh, that was so good.
1: Very underrated.
0: Yes. He loved it. Really, really that, good.
1: That said, it's turning into every superstar gets their own little cruiserweight or 205 guy. You get a you get a 205 live guy and you get a 205 live guy. I'm
0: really hating Drake Maverick with the Authors of Pain oh. and the longer it goes on, the more I hate it. I hate how it's infested 205 live now and how it's this like recurring joke and it's a tease because we know at some point the authors are going to show up on 205 live which I was sort of jokingly okay with last week, but the more I think about it, the more it totally taints the 205 Live world and the whole point is this is supposed to be a contained universe.
1: Well, let me put, let me uh, pull another one on you. That The f- reason that they have two 205 Live guys on there, there might be a double switch here. They may go like a Mr. Fuji with the powers of pain and demolition type of thing, and Leo Rush eventually ends up with the AOP, and that allows drake maverick to again revert to baby face with bobby lashley
0: oh maybe maybe that, that could be interesting
1: um because I, ju- I just don't get the face heel i I don't know why they continue to do this as a story with the 205 live guys but they also are doing that now with also you know gable and rude it, it tends to be a very common trope with them these days uh, you didn't like uh, you didn't like that the the heel locker room uh, got their comeuppance in one week.
0: No, that's something you should stretch out through an entire episode. It's not just one week. They got their comeuppance in the first segment of the next week. That's lazy. That should have been the shield ambushing those guys all through the night.
1: Yeah, I'm.
0: And I also hate the fact that the authors of pain were lumped up in that because what's the point then? I, I'm really confused with the strategy booking wise for the authors of pain going forward here. I'm not even entirely sure that they're heels. I think there's like maybe a 20% chance they baby face and they end up facing the dogs of war at some point.
1: I liked I liked the squash though.
0: Yeah, I love the squash. The squash was fun. Uh, Robbie Ace got massacred in that squash, and it was delightful.
1: Good lord, I love being a good. I mean, they should have been doing. I, I, as I said, imagine had they done that with the Forgotten Sons for about two or three weeks, and how we'd know the characters better that way. Um, you know, I'll, I'll wait a bit on on this reintroduction because I still think Drake Maverick is way out of place here. Um,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: But Kevin Owens has come back, and his reasoning, he has now promised, yes, folks, the do- he's here to cause chaos and anarchy, and he will never cause chaos and anarchy.
0: The dummy award this week goes to whoever wrote that Kevin Owens promo, because that Kevin Owens promo hurt my brain, and my brain needed a rest after the end of that, because even Kevin Owens couldn't save the terrible dialogue that he had to deliver there. it
1: well, just doesn't fit no I, I mean he no can be there's no logic. T- there's a show don't Tell aspect to Kevin Owens when he I mean you remember when he was really causing havoc on his NXT run the after he turned on Sammy down there I mean that's kind of what you want out of Kevin Owens is you want this kind of bratty out of control guy. That's really, you know, I mean, but they do this chaos thing so often.
0: We're here to create anarchy, and they always do it in the most predictable of ways.
1: Yeah, it's always, you know, ooh, he messed up the locker room, like the riot squad.
0: I hope those kids get detention, Jeff.
1: Yes, the the, the last true anarchy again was, was the Nexus introduction. That was anarchy. That's what I want to see out of out of guys who are saying they're going to do anarchy is at any time they just come down and they just attack the announcers rip up the ring and say there's no more show folks go home um i i uh, i i thought they were i mean but this might be just going against what we expected because we kind of thought it was going to be a face turn for kevin owens and it's not so we're just gonna, gonna go through this We'll see what Leo Rush does, because I think he's going to be doing this Owens-Lashley feud, so we'll see what happens with...
0: Does Leo Rush end up aligned with Kevin Owens? I, Is I
1: don't know. that where we're going? But I think their interactions are going to be fantastic. I mean, they could go over the line at any time either way, too, because Leo Rush has gotten in trouble for his mouth, as has Kevin Owens. So I'm kind of... Now, now that I'm thinking about it i'm kind of excited for those two to interact a bit
0: yeah it's interesting although again this creates confusion between gnome dar and leo rush in their not very good feud over in 205 live but oh, that gnome also Dar's, might be coming to an end at some point very soon
1: gnome Dar's great in the good in the ring but this boy, face you know, character
0: is terrible and he's hard to understand
1: well his 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 heel character with alicia fox wasn't that great either so I, I, you know, I don't.
0: He was more naturally grating as that yeah. character, though, and that character was more believable. And some of those promos were actually as annoying as they were intended to be. Whereas all of his babyface promos have just landed totally flat.
1: Boyd, I, I, I'm, and the other just takeaway from the two shows, I will. I have become very very converted to Sonia Deville.
0: Oh yeah, she's awesome. Especially with Mandy Rose as the manager type. That's a great top tier type of act.
1: She is the type who really needed a little bit more time at the PC and she needed that first you know 15 to 20 minute long match to see what she really had and I don't know if she's ever going to get that here because we got Ronda, we're eventually going to get the rest of her friends up there, and she's an MMA gimmick. What, what are you? I mean, I, I think she's just gonna have she and the Iconics are gonna have these three to five minute matches for the rest of their lives while they're employed here.
0: Yeah, it's really unfortunate, especially with Deville. I think Deville's got a lot of upside that I don't know that we're ever gonna fully see.
1: Well, I think Mandy Rose also has that kind of thing, but I know they're saving her, so she'll eventually get the shot. Just whether or not it's too early or too late, but yeah, Sonya Deville doesn't check any boxes. And look, if this company could really do woke storylines well, which they don't, there's a great babyface story to tell with Sonya Deville. There really is in terms of her coming out and all those other things. If they did it like Roddy Strong in NXT, she'd be she could potentially be massively over but they use it they're gonna do you know the Titus O'Neill as father of the year type stuff they really use it as pandering marketing versus telling a great story
0: yeah and in that case I'd rather them not touch it at all
1: exactly I'd rather they stay as far far away from it as possible
0: so why did they give Tommaso Ciampa music Jeff
1: oh that is one of the great I liked the siren and then the music hit and then I saw it was Ciampa and I kind of kind of died a little bit inside. I I I love him just coming out and people booing. It's very. I it's I epic. From, I come from the generation before everybody had a theme song, a top of the titan a top of the ramp maneuver that they do. Walk down, enter the ring, do the maneuver again. You know, and I I'm I'm from the old. Sometimes guys are just walking to the ring and they get booed on the way of the ring. I am I loved the old school aspect of it. And as a heel, I, I want him to not... I, I think it's a little more natural to just kind of walk out and let the boos come in waves rather than having the music that announces you're coming. That's the kind of heel that Tommaso Ciampa is.
0: So the best answer I have for why they gave him music is that the chanting from the crowd was sometimes moving towards the profane, and they didn't want that on the broadcast.
1: Okay, I I could see that. I I just... uh... I
0: still hate the song. I'm not defending the song in the slightest. I think it's really weak. It's just very generic, and it lowers the quality of the act, but I think that's the strategy at play here.
1: My question is, when when are they going to finally move Rauma and Doze over to 205 Live? Because that kid, he's he's great. He's been great since the Cruiserweight Classic, and all he does is he, he comes in there and he just gets destroyed by people, having and looking pretty good in the process. I I uh, I don't think he can be a superstar, but I think he's one of those guys. As I like to put them, first hour of Nitro, guys. They come out there, you have a good wrestling match, and he could get himself over that way rather than being a personality.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think Raul Mendoza is actually quite good. I enjoyed this squash match between Raul Mendoza and Lars Sullivan a lot. When Raul Mendoza finally got his hope spot, it was great. It was the rabbit finally getting away from the wolf for just a minute. You're like, go, rabbit, go, rabbit, go, and then you remember that it's a rabbit and the wolf always wins. And it was delightful.
1: Did Lars whisper uh, Nietzsche quotes to Raul during the match, you think?
0: It's funny you should ask that, Jeff. In (laughs) fact, he did right after the match. He was heard saying to Raul Mendoza, they even pity my accidents and chances. But my doctrine is, suffer the chance to come unto me. It is as innocent as a little child.
1: I liked this week. Um, I I liked kind of the Cassius Ono... What do you mean you don't want to talk to me about, it, about the guy getting beat up? I'm almost positive he did.
0: Oh, that's interesting that he's going to be the one who did it.
1: They've almost convinced me that the reason he wanted to, he he's he's that criminal who wants to talk to the cops to see what they know about him and is upset that, upset that they don't want to talk to him. And I think the second guy was whispering in Regal's ear, that that they know he did it that we don't need to talk to him for that reason. I think it's kind of a, a bit of a red herring a bit. I think they know but that, that's the most inter- I liked I liked kind of Ono's thing oh you don't want to, what? Come on I'm affable, you know. Oh, oh I seem perturbed. I I really kind of enjoyed the, this week for me was the best one of those that they've done.
0: Yeah, for a moment Cassius Ono sort of had this big Lebowski sort of vibe about him, but then you're right. He did sort of <laughs> Take this little turn thing. I like this <laughs> theory that he's going to be the one who did it. And that would make some sense because Aleister Black was this new hot thing and completely blew by Cassius Ono. Did they have a match? Was he one of his first matches?
1: Uh yeah, I think so. I think they played up the fact that they were tag team partners uh elsewhere.
0: There you the go. Yeah. But,
1: but now all I want all I want is is hero Ono. In a robe, with a T-shirt and shorts, drinking a White Russian, looking like he's—I want that now. Damn you, Chris! I want it. I want. I this want is him. a
0: valuable beverage, man. What are you I want, doing? I want him
1: sitting in front of sitting in front of Regal.
0: Ed <laughs> Regal throws a coffee cup at his head. Just goes, this unchecked aggression will not stand, man. Do we have
1: to hear the Eagles, man? I can't stand the Eagles. <laughs> oh, the other thing. I Every time Otis Dozovich calls Tucker Knight Tucky, oh. I swear he's calling him Ducky. And I can't get that out of my head. That... Ah, uh, he is such a... They've turned him into a Chris Farley character.
0: Yes, he's Chris Farley. These are two wild and crazy guys. They're zany, but zany Tucker. Man, Tucker needs to get away from this act as fast as humanly possible because I think he can still do other things. Uh, Otis Dozovic, this is what he is. He's Chris Farley.
1: Oh, I think I think a more serious Otis would be something
0: Yeah, he special. could actually be really interesting uh, as a more serious entity. Uh, his match against Tommaso Ciampa might actually surprise.
1: I I kind of dug the interaction a bit, like, oh, we're going to fight? I, I dug that kind of thing about, but, man, the lead-up to that.
0: They're so zany. I hate zany.
1: Yeah, he's so zany that he turns you off into, into yes. wanting to watch him. And and that kind of also comes through in his ring work a little bit because of all the you duck know, walking, the fat, yeah, fat guy doing the doing the worm, and 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 you don't respect his power, and he is such a powerhouse. And that dude, he's so thick because of all the muscle. I mean, he, he looks like Ram Man from He-Man. Uh, He Man. He, he he, and you just want you want to watch the guy. Like a 1989 Steiner Brothers match or 90 Steiner Brothers match where they just throw guys around because both he and Tucker Knight are built for that. And they're here, they have a name for that called Heavy Machinery. It sounds like a badass team name. And here they are doing like comedy skits. It's like, oh, I, I almost half expect them to have like Sherlock Holmes and Watson outfits. You know, with magnifying glasses, looking for clues. I mean, it was so it was so not what I want NXT to be at times.
0: Don't put that out in the air, or else you will see those guys in the fashion popos, Sherlock Holmes stuff, trying to fit into it, doing the fat man in a little coat gimmick. Oh, it's coming. It's coming
1: main roster if they ever make it up there. So I watched the second episode of the Mae Young Classic, Uh, I, my expectations, uh, have been surpassed on Casey Catanzaro, the, uh, the winner of American Ninja Warrior. She's not great yet. Don't get me wrong. This isn't, this isn't a Bianca Belair from last year coming out party. She's not on that level, but their faith in her having something, I think it's very, very well placed. I, I, you know, I, I don't have a lot of love for American Ninja Warrior. I I think it's Obstacle Course, the, the TV show. But those contestants are physically awesome. And her getting, you know, it's still very choreographed from her. It doesn't look like a fight per se. But for what she does, it's very, very good, I thought. I liked the uh, Mercedes Martinez... Uh, I think her name is now Ashley Rain, not Madison Rain, uh, match. I I said this about All In. Madison Rain this year has had a sneaky good year in terms of exposure because she's now worked Ring of Honor, All In, TNA, and the Mae Young Classic. She, she's, uh, and she's only 32, which kills me because it feels like she's been around forever. Yeah but she worked a much harder hitting style here against Mercedes Martinez who I love. I I think the look I think the performance center should have signed her and Nicole Savoy last year in terms of just being trainers even if they didn't want to put them on TV. You have Nicole Savoy just show them swag and you show how, you show how to be a badass from Mercedes Martinez cuz she is Absolutely fantastic! I like that they're coming back strong with her, because cause last year after the tournament they kept her around for a few weeks, kind of be preliminary talent. Uh, but I like that they're coming back strong with her, and 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 you know they did a good job also with uh, Diana Perazzo, who um, who I think they're now no longer going to use as as kind of stepping stone on TV after they establish her in this tournament. I think she came off very very well as well.
0: So so tell me about 205. So we talked about some of this earlier, so I want to hit a couple of other notes. Nigel needs to cool it with the mask chatter. He's healing on the Lucha House Party, and that's good. But this week we crossed into some questionable territory, including, quote, like a bank robber and the added value of anonymity that just gave me a little bit of the ickies. Uh, but in not news, the Lucha House Party and the murphy niece feud continues to deliver good matches that no one's appreciating. This time it was Buddy Murphy and Metal Metalik who delivered. They had a really good match. Innovative moves too. At one point there was this muscle buster into almost a Dr. Bomb looking thing. Very, very creative offense being used here. Jack Gallagher and Drew Gulak are an excellent heel pairing I really like their on-screen chemistry together and if Kendrick is out for any length of time Gulak and Gallagher it might actually be addition by subtraction
1: it's it's interesting you said that about Nigel because one of the more I mean I like I like Nigel a lot I'll preface it by saying that I think he does a fantastic job on NXT and I think I think he's been asked to heal it up a bit on 205 Live, and I think he's done a pretty good job so far of doing that. But there are times where he gets into questionably politically incorrect stuff. Like um, one of the more unfortunate incidences was when he was in TNA for that short time as Desmond Wolf, and they're doing that they're doing the Fortune gimmick, and Jay Lethal comes out as uh, doing the Ric Flair impression, and and. And to get heat, he kind of, he calls him uh, get your ghetto booty out of or something to that effect. And I just go Oh, that's one of the more unfortunate moments in, in your career right now, Nigel, that you you said something like that. So he he can go over the line at times.
0: This felt accidental. I, I don't want this to be construed as oh I'm dragging Nigel here. I, I'm not trying to I think he's generally doing I think a good you're right. job. I think
1: it's yeah. just heat of the moment stuff and who else wears masks? Bank robbers without the con- there's that disconnect in the heat of the moment where you you you, you say something that you mean one way and it could be misconstrued as another way. No, I don't, I don't mean ill intent in anything he said on, on, on that point either, but uh, it is an, a bit unfortunate. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of metal being in a mask and not being able to speak great English in the WWE is a death sentence. Yep. Uh, but again, we, we brought this up. Nothing matters until the Australian show.
0: And that's really the big problem with this episode. This episode was just a big nothing burger because we're just building up to Super Showdown. And even that is sort of staggered now. So next week, we're going to have Drew Gulak versus Cedric Alexander. Now, there is, I would put this at a low probability, like 10%, a 10% chance that Gulak gets the belt. Hear me out here, Jeff. The gulag gets the belt because we're going to Australia and Murphy would be the baby face in Australia against the American Drew Gulag.
1: <laughs> you love your percentages, number one.
0: Number two. Well, you know what? It allows me to assign a metric of certitude.
1: Uh, the two Australian acts are losing in Australia. That, that, that uh, losing in your hometown comes back to, 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 uh, to prominence once you get the Iconics and you get Buddy Murphy back in Australia, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a decent chance the Iconics take the dive here, but yeah, as I said, low chance, but it did occur to me that there could be a little swerve here next week. Gulak gets the belt and then loses it to Murphy.
1: I still think the next champ's gonna be Mustafa Ali. I think I think they really think they're doing a Daniel Bryan storyline type thing with the, you know, you're injured and you're coming back early type of thing, and and uh, it, it's weird because he was so hot before the beginning of this subplot and I think he'll be able to overcome it once he gets back in the ring and starts having these great matches again. I mean hot for what 205 live can do, but I, I really they really didn't have anything to do with him after he got so so white hot doing the matches with Cedric Alexander and doing the matches with Buddy Murphy that they go, man, we built this guy into a star and now we got to put him on the shelf. It, it's amazing their lack of foresight in giving him something to do. So uh, tell people where they can find you, Chris.
0: You can find me all over the internet. I have four other shows here. I have Lucha of the Hidden Temple, which is on the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. I have Don't Worry About the Government. It is a show about the news, about politics, about culture. You can find that at patreon.com slash DWATG. I also host the All in the Family podcast. You can find that at... Patreon.com slash all in the family. You can find me on Twitter at C-H-R-I-S-N-O-V-E-M-B-R-I-N-O.
1: I'm at Crap Game 13 on Twitter. Once again, thank you to our sponsor, SimpleContacts.com. Go there, type in STR as the promo code, or go to SimpleContacts.com slash STR. You can follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. You can go to VoicesOfWrestling.com slash STR. You can also go to VoicesOfWrestling.com and go join the forums. Read the articles. Read the previews. They're really, really good. I may be over on Fightful doing a post show for Hell in a Cell. And next week, I think uh, I think we're going to do a little... Uh, I'm going to give you some old-school stuff to watch, Chris. I'm going to try and uh, bridge this generational gap between what I like and what you liked in your peak. Maybe we'll give each other matches. I'm thinking something from NWA 19... 19- 88 or so but uh we'll see we'll see how that goes next week